Hello again, it's your words against mine, a competitive reading podcast between siblings. I'm your brother co-host, Thomas Dempsey. I'm your sister co-host, Elizabeth Connor. And we got a lot of books to talk about today, but before any of that, uh, Elizabeth, how's your non-reading life been going? It's been busy. Um, We were just doing a little catching up before recording, and... Thomas asked, how many weeks have I been in school now? So this is the start of week three, and it's only August 14th. Yeah. And I promise so you today you're... was the hottest day of the year. Oh, man. It was like every, because like my classroom is in a, like a, a, a mobile, a portable. Yes. And every time I walked outside of it to go like run copies or anything, Every time I opened that door, I was just like, "Ugh." Oh yeah, that's that's rough. Well, I uh, still not quite gainfully employed, but um, taking steps. Uh, today I took the. It's weird. The clo- I guess you'd call it a personality exam. Mm-hmm. It, it's it's not what they called it, but it's what it felt like. Uh, I put in for a job as a mail carrier. Okay. And. Part of the like application process is taking this uh, quiz online, where you uh, answer all these questions that are like what if scenarios, where you like rank yourself along a spectrum of like how you would react to various situations and what have you. Uh-huh. I guess just to give them an idea of the kind of worker you're on, uh, or personality you are. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. I, uh, I've. One of the first jobs I ever interviewed for after college was a uh, mail carrier position up in, I want to say, Traveler's Rest. Oh, Which, okay. looking back, is way too far from yeah. home to be making the kind of commute. But I just went for the interview anyway, I guess just for the experience. And uh, nothing ever came of it, but um, apparently I have a file or an account set up with them because when I tried to log in or set up an account to do it this time around i couldn't use the same login info and it wouldn't let me access my old one so i just had to find a workaround Mm -hmm. Hmm. but yeah we'll see how that goes i've got a couple other applications i'm waiting to hear back about okay let's see here honor choir started today we had our first rehearsal yeah oh sure it was good last year was the first year i'd ever like actually done honor choir like at any of the schools i'd ever worked at and like maintain the commitment like for the whole year sure so last year was very much like just trying to figure out how to do this and okay i learned a lot so i will say that like sitting down and figuring out like okay these are all the dates that we're gonna have rehearsals if if i don't have an exact date of like performances then i have a date range that I know, like, performances yeah. and field trips are going to happen. Okay. Like, to know all of that stuff at the beginning of the semester is infinitely better and easier than trying to come up with it as you go along. I get you. Really, that's about it. Um, around the house, like, I have not been cooking, like, hardly at all because I've either, like, just trying to get back into the swing of things, I have either just come home from work and, like, I'm just too tired and I don't want to, or sure. days like today, it is just so ridiculously hot that like, you know, we live in an apartment and if we cook anything or if we run the dryer, 
then our apartment is going to heat up and the poor air conditioner is going to try to run itself to death. Right. So usually when it gets like that level of hot, I, I don't, I don't cook. We just either like microwave leftovers if we have any, or what we've been doing lately is just going and picking something up or going out to eat. Well, hopefully it'll start to get cooler soon. Yeah, and to give our listeners an idea of how hot I'm talking about, I know we talk about the weather all the time, but like this is like this heat is ridiculous. So where I live, it is like 7:30 at night, and it's like 90 degrees with a heat index of 99 at 7:30 at night. Uh, I'm fortunate enough to live somewhere with the trees and whatnot. We, uh, I guess, have a good barrier against that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. I can talk about this here since it's book related but not reading related okay this past weekend was a big weekend for book sales yes it was just in uh the greenville area we had two big ones going on secondly was the uh penny per page book sale that was going on at second and charles that's Mm -hmm. a special where any used book in the store with like numbered pages is on sale for a penny a page and it's kind of funny the setup they had for it, I guess, because the pricing of that sale is seemingly intuitive, but uh-huh. the way they ring you up isn't. Yeah. So they can't just, like, input the page number for the price. What they got to do is they got to take the pay- the price that they have on file, like what it says on the sticker, uh-huh. and then they got to put in a discount on the book to bring it down to the price yeah. according to the page numbers. So... What they do is, at the end of the checkout line, before you get to the register, they have somebody who goes through all your books, looks at the page number for each book, subtracts that from the price, and then writes down the difference on a Mm post-it. And then, when you take it up to the register, the cashier looks at the post-it, subtracts the difference from the price, and then gives you the actual, like, what you pay. Yeah, that tracks. From having been a former employee of Second and Charles... That seemed very much like the way that they would run a sale like that. But, uh, it, I mean, yeah, and I was in line for a good 50 minutes just because of how many folks were waiting to get checked out. Yeah. By comparison, I was probably only in line at the Liter- Literacy Association book sale at McAllister Square for about maybe 10 minutes at most. Yeah. Cause, so they've definitely got their... Uh, obviously, they're much less ambitious in terms of the premise... Yeah. So, uh, the Greenville County Literacy Association every year in August has a really good, really big, really cheap book sale, wherein they just have, as the name implies, a whole bunch of used books on sale, ranging from one dollar to five, on all their stock, mm-hmm. as indicated by like colored stickers that are placed on all the books. So you just go around, pick all the books you want, get up to the checkout counter. They. Uh, sort all your books by stamp color and then multiply it out so okay. it's a pretty quick and painless affair they do take cards now i feel like i remember at one point in the past they only accepted cash but yeah. i had cash on hand anyway so it uh, worked out regardless okay so I, I picked up a whole mess of books well, not a whole mess i picked up at the literacy association sale i picked up a city of girls by elizabeth gilbert uh, the Hakawati by Rabi Al-Madin. I picked up Crossroads by Jonathan Frazen, or Franzen. 
uh, Swing Time by Zadie Smith, Little Drummer Girl by John Le Carre, uh, Book of Short Stories by Dorothy L. Sayers, at uh, 2nd Charles, I got Dead Wake, The Last Crossing of the Lusitania by Eric Larson. I got The City We Became by N.K. Jemison. Those were my two big gets from that sale because even though they were secondhand, they were both priced like 15 and $19 respectively. Yeah. And so the sales price knocked off about 10 dollars off of each. Okay. And they were both in good condition too, so uh, happy to have those. I also got... Uh, Book of Essays by David Foster Wallace. Book of Short Novels by this Russian author named Irene Nemirovsky. A book by Nabokov called Laughter in the Dark. A novel by this fantasy author named Karen Tidbeck called Amatka. And I got these two... Oh, these were also from the uh, from the Literacy Association. So these two books of short stories by this author named Isaac Dennison. If you don't know him... He's the author of the book Out of Africa. Uh-huh. If that uh, rings any bells. So, yeah. Yeah. So that's like his big famous title, but he's also like seemingly a fairly prolific short story writer. So. Mm-hmm. so I got a good little haul there, and afterwards I met up with Mom and Dad at First Watch, this brunch spot in Simpsonville where we had pancakes and what have you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just got, then got in out of the heat and been chilling. Cool. So, uh, you ready to talk reads? Yeah, let's do it. Okie doke. Since our last episode, I read seven books. Okay. I read seven books, including the book for the challenge. Um, Alrighty. So, I will talk about six of them at this moment. Five of them are all part of a series. Okay. So, I'll just talk about them all at once. But the So, the first book that I read, I was actually reading it during our last... While, when we recorded our last episode, and then... Um, I think I finished it, like, the same day, but after we got done recording. Uh, And it's called... It's the second book... I talked about the first book in the last episode. The second book is called Promise to the Wolf Daddy by Roxy Ray. And that is the follow-up to The Teacher's Forbidden Protector. Okay. So, basically, in this book, Promise to the Wolf Daddy, Marley's... Mari and Cole's story continues... And for Mar- people who weren't here for last week, that's the book about the werewolf romance? Yes. Werewolf romance where he's a werewolf and she is a human. And she had, like, her past, like, her, her ex it was an abusive werewolf. And so, anyway, she, like, promised herself that she would never date a werewolf again. And then she meets Cole and they have insane chemistry and yada, yada, yada. Anyway, this book is just a follow-up to the second book. And it very much falls into the trap that a second book in a trilogy tends to fall into where it's just I don't know I guess it's more character I shouldn't say that that's a problem I shouldn't say that a book being character driven is a problem sure it's just something it's just something I don't care to read I get you because this second book what it really really did you see you start to see Marley work through her trauma because she realizes that she never worked through it to begin with she just thought she did Mm mm-hmm and so you see herself like deal with her insecurities you see herself like talk through things with cole um about issues of like intimacy and relationships and stuff like that and it's like all of that stuff is like wonderful in real life yeah it is incredibly boring to read oh sure or at least like because i guess the The thing is 
the way it's written in this book at least yeah because well and, and that's what i was getting ready to say is the, i feel like the way that it's portrayed in the book is actually pretty realistic and it's incredibly yeah. boring uh and if that makes me a bad person then i'm sorry but ah uh, no but when it comes to reading for entertainment value, that is not something that I care to read. I get you. The third book in the trilogy, I don't I don't think it's out yet. I think it comes out in September. I don't know if I'm going to read it or not. Okay. That's all I'll say about that. That's cool. Uh, well, I had uh, some books I could talk about. There was a book of short stories that I checked out from the library a while back. It's called What We Talk About When We Talk About Love by Raymond Carver. It's a, He's a fairly famous short story author whose tra- or stories have been translated into like film adaptations i think most famously his uh one of his short stories was like the basis of a play within a film that movie birdman uh-huh. which won uh the best picture oscar several years back yeah was about a production of one of his short stories as a play and then before that in 92 the, the director robert altman i want to say uh, directed a film called Shortcuts, which is like a anthology film where a bunch of Raymond Carver short stories are all basically playing out in the same place at the same time. So characters from different stories will intersect and impact each other. Okay. Uh, to give you an idea about Raymond Carver, I guess basically it's the 1970s and he's writing about infidelity and marriage struggles. Okay. And so pretty much all the short stories in in this book are about relationships on the rocks, people sort of going through like crises and having like bad emotional like intelligence, I guess. The general timbre of the stories is pretty consistent throughout given like theme and outlook and what have you. Uh-huh. They're they're admittedly well written. Uh I think there's it's actually pretty interesting that uh, I think a lot of the critical discourse around Raymond Carver is that much of the worth of his writing can be attributed to his editor. Apparently much of his sort of signature parsed down style uh, was a result of editorial oversight. Mm. Yeah, so it's kind of interesting to consider like aspect of authorship. I'm not sure that I'm, that this book was much of a like spurring me to look out any other of his writings uh-huh. uh, my understanding is that there's some fairly well acclaimed books of his that have sort of like been placed ahead of this one so i might be willing to check those out in good faith but uh-huh. as far as like really the best thing i can say in these in this book's favor is that it's a quick read okay i i read it in just a couple of days and i was spurred to because i checked it out from the library and then realized like the day before it was due back that it was due back so i tried to renew it but somebody had placed a hold on it so Mm. rather than have to deal with taking it in and whatnot i figured i'd just take make a go of finishing it and got it in okay so the next five books that i read are all part of a series the the series doesn't really have a name it's just the word vessel is in each of the titles so like it's what is it? Like Lord Garrington's vessel, Earl Hathbury's vessel, the bodyguard's vessel, Duke Southbridge's vessel, and the prince's vessel. Okay. They're all what basically like novella length books. The author is S. Rodman, and they are all gay romances. Okay. And basically, 
So they take place in modern time, but yes. among the like the lord, like the like the earls and the dukes and the you know that level of like British. It's not the gentry. It's like the level above that. Sure. Okay. Okay. So anyway, it's that level. So basically, it deals with like that level of British society. What normal people do not know is that, but if you're born into like that tier, I guess, or that caste, well, there's a, and you're a man, then you are going to have magic in some way. Okay. You will either be able to cast it, or you will be a vessel for magic, which is where, if you're a vessel, you absorb the magic, but you can't actually like do anything with it. Okay. So it's I I take it these vessels are like the romantic interests for the magic wielders. Yeah. Now there is it there the book does address like some problematic stuff because like it's very like it's understood in this like circle of society that like vessels traditionally are not treated very well. Um they're kind of passed around like they're called mages. Like a mage who is able to wield magic will have a vessel. Like we'll have ownership of a vessel, and vessels are considered to be property, and they're and that like will pass their vessel around basically in order to help cement like political alliances and and that and business negotiations and stuff like that. Okay. So to kind of reminds me of that uh, novel Iron Widow. I don't yeah. know if you ever read, but uh, it the one where like the giant robot pilots drew on the energy of women to power their ships and then the hero of the story is a woman who is able to take control of her ship and uh do it all yeah you i think you gave me that book but i haven't read it yet yeah i need to find it so yeah so like that it's very much understood that so for a mage to actually fall in love with his vessel and vice versa is actually not that common okay like for there to actually be like a healthy relationship between the two it's not that common so and then but because you start to have these healthy relationships showing up between mages and their vessels the vessels realize that they're actually more powerful than they have been led to believe okay now one of the books it's the the bodyguards vessel which is the third one one of the characters is not a mage he is a wolf shifter but because he is like part of the paranormal he is able to extract magic from a vessel Okay. The extracting is sexual in nature, and that's where I'll leave it. And apparently the series is not done. I don't know when the next book is coming out. It wasn't, like, I read all these on Kindle Unlimited, and I couldn't find it anywhere, but apparently there is another book coming out, so. That's cool. So you read five books in that series. Yep. I read 20 books in a series. Oh my gosh. Wait, was it manga? Yes. Okay. Uh, Recently I got into this book talker named Katie Steele, Paisley Pikachu on TikTok. Sounds familiar. Like an aspiring fantasy author. I won't say aspiring. She's got a couple books under her belt. She uh, reads mostly like fantasy novels, it seems. They're sort of like, that's her sort of area of focus. Earlier, like a couple months back, she started getting into One Piece, the pirate manga that I've talked about before. And she's been making her way through it at a fairly rapid clip. And as I was watching her videos talking about the various story arcs and things that she liked about the series, I got to thinking, huh, I never did finish One Piece. At some point, she's going to catch up to where I stopped off. Yeah. I finally, I took this as 
a uh, just uh, motivation to finally get back into the series proper. As you know, uh, I think a, a month or so back, I had started rereading the series from the beginning in these like physical editions that I own. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I started picking up where I left off on the e-reader on that uh, subscription service with the manga on it. Yeah. I picked up somewhere in like the 800s chapter. Okay. Today I finished chapter 1070. So okay. in the two weeks since we last spoke, I've read over 200 chapters of One Piece, which comes out to about 20 volumes of the published manga. Wow, that's a lot. Yeah, and I'm less than 10 chapters away from being current. So the manga is still ongoing, and it updates like once every week or two. So once I finish these last eight or nine chapters, I'll be in the habit of reading it week to week. Okay, cool. Yeah, and I've uh, really been enjoying it. There's this one really big like 150 chapter story arc that just wrapped up recently that's really good. Oh, wow. Sort of like brings together a bunch of culminating events and characters from the series Mm -hmm. still going on okay if you didn't have anything else to talk about i did have uh, another book i could mention yeah it's also a comic Uh, this one is volume two of ed brubaker's uh, friday it's that uh, comic book series about like the the boy detectives assistant friday Mm -hmm. who um, grows up and goes off to college and when she comes back Things are kind of awkward between her and the boy detective because I, I guess they tried to pursue a romantic relationship and it didn't really work out. Mm-hmm. So she comes back and they're the sort of like mystery solving duo in like a young adult literature town where like paranormal events occurred. Mm-hmm. Needless to say, she gets back into town from college and uh, mysterious goings on are afoot. And this volume carried through on the events of the last volume and sets up some pretty interesting status quo shakeups for the third to be released at some point in the future. And uh, I think you'd probably really like this series. It sounds like a it sounds like something I would enjoy. Yeah, and the artwork is really good too. Appreciator of that. I feel like I've spoken out before about how I prefer the black and white of manga to most of the color work in western comics Mm -hmm. but um the color in this one is really good it gets a recommendation awesome all right so when we get back uh you want to talk about uh this week's big challenge yes all right we'll see y'all in a sec hello and welcome back to your words against mine a competitive reading podcast between siblings prior to the break we were talking about what's been going on in our lives and some books that we've been reading which is kind of the whole point of the show and now we are coming back to talk about the challenge that i issued a month ago thomas what did i say we were going to read you said we were going to read let the right one in by john vanquist yes linquist yeah yes we're going to go with that yep okay and uh can i ask why it was you picked this book well, for two reasons. One, I already owned it. Okay. And two, it fulfilled one of the things on the bingo card that I had not taken care of yet. And which one is that? Which is a book written in non-English speaking Europe. Cool. So I can presume that's what you're going to be putting down for your bingo card? Yes. All right. Well, uh, let me look here real quick. 
Okay, you are a one away from a bingo. All right. I can tell you that much, and I can also tell you that I will not be filling out my bingo card this week. Okay. And I can also tell you that I did not finish this book. All right. Yep. But uh, I did see the movie. <laughs> how's that? How's that? How's that? I'll have you know I was real stressed about getting this done. Okay, well, I wasn't stressed at all. Oh, okay. Well, you didn't get fussed at last week for not finishing books for the challenges. Yes, I also didn't leave that part into the podcast. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, I mean, to be fair, this is a pretty long book. Yeah, it is. It's like, because uh, I have... It's like, it's like, I had it at like 430 pages of like pure text. That's not my, including um, like... I'm reading it, well, no, sorry, not reading. I read it on, like, Apple Books, and I think on Apple Books it said it was, like, 700 and something pages. Well, that is long, but, yeah. I, I also, I had it at, like, 150,000 plus words. Yeah. Which is, yeah, definitely on the longer side of things. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. To give you an idea, like, the um, short story collection I read for this week was only 40,000 pages. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like just a forty thousand pages a or forty thousand words. Forty thousand words. Yeah, yeah, sorry. Some of those, so, like the the novellas, the vessel vanilla, nove, not vanillas. God, good God, novellas that I read. Like those were anywhere from the low forty thousands to the low fifty thousands. It just depended on the. Yeah, yeah. I feel like I can talk about this story fairly well based on like what of the book I read and what I remember from the movie. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, I so I can talk about the plot. Okay. Uh, it's about a little boy named Oscar. Him and his mom. Where's this book set? In it's Scandinavia. Set, uh, it's set in Sweden. Sweden. Okay. Um, they live in a Swedish book. suburb. Yeah. His mom, I guess, is a single parent. Uh, Oscar is this bullied little kid. I get his sort of like on the cusp of. Uh, adolescence and it's sort of at that age where used to be all the kids got along but it, then at some uh, nebulous point they just sort of realize that oh uh, some of us are supposed to be popular and abuse mercilessly kids who we arbitrarily decide aren't yeah. so I'll, I will say this I started reading this book fairly early in the assigned period mm -hmm. so a lot of my like not getting further in it let alone finishing it, came down to just my, I'll, I'll just say, disinterest in the material. Okay. Because I find it it's much harder for me nowadays to really key into stories about very young children. Yeah. Mainly because both the concerns are so far removed, not that it's like something I can't sympathize with, but it, I think the author has to have a really like skillful handle of language and perspective. Mm -hmm. And... And so much of this book is, like, clearly heightened to a degree. Like, obviously, it's a horror novel with supernatural elements, so that's to be taken for uh, as a given. Yeah. But Which I didn't even get around to in my description. Uh, yeah, so basically, this book's set in Switzerland. Sweden? Sweden. And uh, Oscar is being bullied, and he's a big fan of, like, true crime and uh, serial killers. And, like, part of his coping with being bullied is imagining, like, murdering all his bullies. And uh, who should move into town but a little 
12-year-old looking vampire who's like in reality over a century old or what have you and her caretaker who's like this serial killer who takes people and drains them of their blood so that she can feed I do not know that this guy was explicitly a pedophile in the film I'm pretty sure like in the movie he if he doesn't kill kids he doesn't kill exclusively kids mm-hmm. I like I said I didn't get too far in the book but that's it, it's made pretty clear, like, from the outset that this guy is attracted to children. In the book, for sure. But he doesn't, like, he doesn't, well, hold on, I'm thinking. You're trying to think of a delicate way of saying something. No, I'm not. I was I was actually, like, I was actually getting ready to be like, no, he doesn't kill, he doesn't just kill kids. But then I had to be like, nope, he didn't do that one. Anyway, the, the, the two well, the crimes. Well, fir- in, the, in the book, the first person he kills is a kid. Yeah. And in the movie, uh, the first person he kills, I believe, is a woman. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. I can't recall if they have him kill any children in the movie, but I'm fairly certain that outside of whatever relationship he has to the little vampire girl, there are no like overt allusions to him being a uh, pedophile in the movie. Yeah. Which I think is probably something that they softened. Uh, or that they changed just to soften it for marketabil- marketability's sake. Yeah. Because this is a very intense sort of book. It is, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, but it's about Oscar befriending the little vampire and uh, fall out from just there being a murderous cannibal in the neighborhood. Yeah, yeah. But uh, the movies, I recall, being very good. Obvious, like I said, obviously it changes stuff because you're not getting, like, the inner monologue of characters you're just sort of seeing their actions and reactions to things with certain kinds of stories that the distancing of not having that access actually helps Mm -hmm. draw you in yeah whereas like the book could often be like really painfully awkward at times so like sitting with these characters and their feelings and whatnot so uh the book for me the book has a lot more action than I anticipated it having because yeah I remember like I don't remember what platform it was on I don't like it wasn't TikTok because that wasn't around yet I don't think it was Instagram it could have been Facebook I don't really remember but there was some platform where like I remember seeing like clips from the movie yeah I remember like asking you all these questions about it because basic because like I just like I have a thing about torture like yeah like torture in movies is unsettling to me and also like extreme extreme gore is also very very unsettling to me right um i remember just asking you like a crap ton of questions about the movie and so basically i thought that like nothing happened in the movie until the very end at the pool yes there's a famous pool scene in the film that is like shot in a very compelling way i'm i'm so i started this book and I was like, all right, this thing is going to be super boring until, like, the last 75 pages. It's cool that you set yourself up to read a 450-page book on the idea that it's going to be super boring until, like, the last chapter. Yeah, I know, but I was just like, you know what? I've made this commitment, and, like, I can't get out of it now, so I've just got to, like, be bored for 300-and-something pages, and then it's going to be super, super good at the end. But I didn't have that experience. More does happen than I thought was going to happen. Right. I'm not sitting. I'm not gonna lie to you and tell you that it's like a ton of stuff. 
I feel like the book is structured like the show The Walking Dead. I get that. Where it's like, because um, like the like the the chapters are pretty long, and then they're divided up into the different point of views. Yes. So it'll be like you'll have like just these huge swaths of like description and like you know this is what happened this is what's happening or this did or this is how something happened and like yeah i'm not gonna lie like it kind of lulls you into this like complacency and then it's like well bam something interesting happens yeah kind of like the show the walking dead because i honestly feel like especially in some of the later seasons the walking dead it was just kind of like okay they talk all the time and then there's like one interesting like one visually interesting thing that happens in an episode like something to build a trailer around. Yeah, exactly. And to get you to show yeah. up the ne- for the next episode. Yeah. So I felt like this is what this book... I felt like that's what this book, like... That that was how it kind of kept you in it. Sure. Was it would, like, lull you... It would lull you into complacency, and then, bam, something happened. Yeah, well, like, I will say the first chapter of this book was very compelling in the way that you've got, like, the dual narratives of Oscar dealing with stuff at school and at home yeah and then like the concurrent events of the like serial killer out like pursuing a victim and there's this interesting tension of like the potential for oscar to be that victim yeah and like just anticipating the way those two story threads are going to come together Mm -hmm. yeah i did find that interesting and to be clear i'd be willing to give this book another shot i feel like i just wasn't in a good headspace for it yeah it, it like in the same at the because it was happening around the same time as what you just described with with yeah. oscar and the guy his name is hakan okay or hakan i don't know there's something like it's around in that time where the point of view keeps switching back and forth where there's also these conversations that are happening and right away you don't know who they're happening between oh yeah like it doesn't become obvious until kind of closer to like the second formal chapter Okay. The man that like Hakan and and the vampire are like working together or have a relationship of of some kind. Right. So but uh, so clearly you like the book. I did. I like the book. And I'm glad you got got it knocked out for your reading goal. Yeah. And I'm definitely gonna give it another go at some point. Okay. Sorry, I didn't give it a bigger shot. Yeah, I'll do better on the next one. It's okay. I'm not gonna fuss at you about it. Oh. Wow, how how noble of you. (laughs) (laughs) I will say that, honestly, like the most unsettling part of Let the Right One In was, you've got to remember this from the movie, the character who has all the cats. Oh, yeah. The description of his apartment kind of made me nauseated. Oh, man. And that's the guy who gets turned into a vampire, and so all the cats start attacking him. Yeah. Spoilers. That's like a whole set piece in the movie. It's actually kind of funny because it's like, after a certain point, you can tell there's just like dudes off camera throwing fake cats at this guy. <laughs> throwing fake cats. Oh, Hold on a second. Did that did that happen to him or did it happen to... Well, it happened to somebody. I know there's like a big cat attack. Yeah. So if they weren't his cats, they were somebody's. I can't find it right now and I'm not going to waste time doing it, but like... I don't know that that necessarily happened to him or if it happened to, like, a friend of his. But, uh, yeah, like, yeah, that's the kind of thing, like, you were talking about. The very, like, eye-catchy, word-catchy sort of scenario that sort of hooks you in for, like, whatever chapter. And that, like, 
sets up the promise of further exploits. Mm-hmm. That's a that's a very effective structure yeah. for a book like this. I will say maybe one thing that also sort of hurt my engagement was this book was just coming off of that collection of novels that I talked about previously uh, by Agata Kristoff, uh-huh. The Notebook, The Proof, and The Third Lie. Because mm-hmm. it has a sort of similar like Eastern European setting and a sort of d- a dour tone. Maybe I just sort of burnt myself out on reading those books. Yeah. Yeah, so that that could be it. Okay. Yeah. I um I don't know why I don't read more like Finnish or Scandinavian or Swedish. I, or I'm I'm just going to say Scandinavian because I feel like it's kind of that whole area. I don't yeah. I don't know why I don't read more Scandinavian literature because yeah. pretty much everything I've ever read by a Scandinavian author, I have really really enjoyed. Yeah, you read Did you read those Nesbo novels? Joe Nesbo? Yeah, I've read a couple. Okay. And I like those. I, yeah, and I know we have several of them. Yeah. Like, I think I read the first one, which is where he's, like, in Australia. I think I've read that one, like, two or three times. And then, of course, there's, like, Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. I don't know that I ever read the third book, but I, I read the first two. I read some of the first book and then saw a Scandinavian movie, not mm-hmm. the uh, Fincher American remake. Yeah. So, uh, you got anything else you want to say? I don't think so, other than I just, I really enjoyed it, and I'm glad I picked it. I'm glad, too. Yeah, I look forward to hearing what we've got up uh, next on the reading chop block. Yeah, so we are going to be reading a book of short stories. Okay. Called A House is a Body. Huh, I feel like I've heard of this. By Shruti Swami. Okay. And is there a specific reading goal this is setting up for you? It might be, um, well, I haven't read, I haven't read a short story collection and okay. I, I don't think I have fulfilled the book from Asia. So this well, that'll is be of, good then. Yeah. So I'm obviously this book can't count for two things, but, but it, it has the versatility and like allowing you to choose between them. Right. So that the house is a body. Yep. And, uh, now you want to go back and talk word totals. Sure. Since the last episode, I've read 510,268 words, which brings yep. my year-to-date total up to 4,929,604 words, which puts me at 49% of my 2021 word count. All right. Adding the 40,872 words I read from the Raymond Carver collection, my word total is up to... 3,224,093, which puts me at 73% of my 2021 word total. All right. Uh, we're going to make a real go of that next book. And uh, next time, we'll be talking about the light novel Ascendance of a Bookworm, Volume 1. Mm-hmm. Look forward to having y'all back for that. Yeah. In the meantime, Elizabeth, you can let them know where they can find us. You can find us on social media at Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and Literally Club at Your Words Podcast. You can find us on our website at yourwordspodcast.com. And you can email us a question, suggestion, or comment to yourwordspodcast at gmail.com. Well, Elizabeth, I hope the rest of your week goes well. Thank you. I hope yours does, too. I hope it cools down. Down, absolutely. I think that'd be best for everybody. Yeah. This is the kind of, like, heat where you better watch the way you talk to me. And that's that's not specific to you. That really kind of goes for everybody. Alrighty. I'll be talking with you later. Alright. Talk to you later. Bye.
Bye-bye.